another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. We have a lot of stuff to discover in this episode. Uh, Google's made some announcements about some interesting things. We have a new crawl stats report. Um, we have more information to give you on manual actions. If your manual action disappeared, I'm sure it's back now. So I'm going to share with you what that means and um, what we saw with our clients when Google had this little bug when their manual actions disappeared. Um, and we're going to talk in Q&A. I've got a couple of questions to answer. One is about uh, a question I get asked regularly, uh, whether it's okay to use boilerplate copy for your terms of service page uh, or whether that would be seen as a negative by Google. So we'll talk about that. And I'm going to do a little mini site review for a site called nonprofitinformation.com. And I think you'll find this really interesting. I'm going to dig into Google's blog post on core updates uh, because I think there's a lot that can be learned by looking at this blog post. Uh, and so we're going to look at this particular website to see how they could potentially improve uh, based on Google's core update post. Um, I have to apologize if you can hear background noise. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll be able to edit it out. But Ottawa right now is in our first big snowstorm of the year. Uh, it's very pretty if you like snow. Uh, but a lot of the people outside of our office are apparently not very good at driving in snow. And so we've had, we're on a very, very busy intersection I say we, I'm the only one in the office. I've been the only one in the office. My staff are working remotely and have been since March. Um, so I'm in the office here hearing sirens nonstop as uh, there's all sorts of accidents and uh, things going on in Ottawa. So if you hear some background noise, no, they're not coming to get me. It's just uh, a bunch of accidents happening because of snow. Driving in snow is its own whole experience. Let's talk about what Google is doing because that's why you're listening to this, right? You're trying to figure out uh, what is it that Google has changed and can we take advantage of it and is there anything new that's happened um, in the last little while that I need to know about. If you work in SEO, you can't just sit back and uh, keep doing the same thing that you've always been doing because Google's constantly changing. We've been seeing some turbulence in the search results in November. I talked in the last couple of episodes about, uh, and it's really confusing because November 8th, seems to be a date in which Google changed something. Uh, now, November 8th last year was a very significant date. The more we look at sites that were affected by November 8th of 2019, uh, by whatever, you know, there wasn't an announced Google update, uh, but Google definitely changed something at that time. The more we look at that, we really feel like this is connected to BERT. I feel like Google is just getting better at figuring out which posts truly are good and which were maybe elevated because of SEO efforts. Uh, and so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that as this episode unfolds. Um, but know that, uh, so something happened November 8th again of this year. Uh, and then there was something else around November 16th to 18th. Um, we didn't go into great detail in analyzing this uh, because there is always turbulence around this time of the year. Um, the SERPs are going to change in holiday season. If it's not, even if even if you know some of you don't celebrate holidays at this time of the year, many people do, and you'll see that um, you know it. Let's say Amazon. Let's say you were ranking number one for your main query. Let's say your main query was shoes. Obviously, you're not ranking number one for shoes um, unless you know Nike is listening or whoever actually ranks number one for shoes. But let's say you're ranking number one for your main query, and then holiday shopping season comes along and all of a sudden Amazon starts to outrank you. Well, was that because Google changed their algorithms to favor, favor Amazon? Most likely no. Google's algorithms, I really do believe, are good at figuring out right now, at this point in time, when people search for shoes, are they looking to buy a shoe? Are they looking for information on shoes? Are they looking to get color ideas? Are they looking for fashion accessories? People's intent for certain queries will change depending on the time of year. And so for a lot of queries right now, Google's algorithms can figure out that when people type in this query, they're really looking for a place where they can buy that product. And a lot of people who are looking to buy that product, you know, maybe if they usually end up on Amazon, then Google's going to start to to rank Amazon highly for this particular query. And it's not necessarily because something's changed in the algorithms. It's just that the algorithms are adapting to how search patterns change 
uh, when it gets closer and closer to Christmas season. So, you know, Barry Schwartz wrote an article on Search Engine Roundtable about, I think he called it November 16th, was potentially an update. We had sites the 16th, 17th, and a few on the 18th as well. Uh, That seemed to see either increases or decreases that seem typical of Google changing their algorithms. But again, there's just so much going on in the world. United States is in such turmoil right now with uh, what's happening with COVID and what's happening with the the election. Um, And so that's going to impact people's search habits. So we haven't done an intensive investigation into uh, any of the dates in November that uh, we saw changes on. Uh, We might. I I feel like we're probably going to end up doing investigation into November 8th of 2020 as well, uh, just seeing the number of sites that were impacted on that day. But for now, just know that uh, something potential is happening, but I don't think there's anything specific that we have in terms of advice for recovery. If you were negatively affected uh, by one of these days, so either November 8th of 2020 or November 16th to 18th of 2020, I'd love for you to reach out for me on Twitter, especially if you have a website that really deserves to rank. I hesitate to say this a little bit, but I feel like a lot of the people that are complaining, uh, so Barry's uh, post on the November 16th or whatever uh, update that happened. There's a lot of comments from people saying that their site completely disappeared from search. And I don't mean being de-indexed. It's like they used to rank well and now they're ranking, you know, page three or something for most of their queries where nobody is going to find them. Um, I feel like a lot of these sites, because some of them they'll list their site and I, and I'll go take a look and it's really a site that shouldn't rank anyways. Um, and so I feel like Google's actually doing a fairly good job here. Now, I know some of you are listening to this, and if your site is the one affected, you're probably thinking, well, no, Google is not doing a good job here. And if that's you, I want you to ask yourself, uh, why do you deserve to rank? Not, you know, what's wrong with all your competitors, and yes, they're all buying links, or they're all, you know, doing these things that potentially Google doesn't like, but what specifically uniquely is valuable about your website because what we're seeing more and more is that there are websites that maybe could rank well, but there's no obvious reason why anybody would want to choose this particular website over all the other choices that they have. Uh, I'm going to be talking about this more at the end of this episode when we get into this mini site review because uh, I think for a lot of you uh, that are struggling with a declining ranking or declining traffic from Google, basically, a lot of you could really benefit from uh, really, really paying attention to Google's blog post on core updates. Uh, I've talked about it so many times, but, uh, you know, I read that blog post a few times a week and still get new things out of it that, that, uh, you know, we can use to, uh, help some of our clients. So I'm going to share some information with you on that in just a minute. Let's talk about this manual actions bug. Um, I mentioned last week that a number, well, pretty much all of our clients that have manual actions, their manual action disappeared. And that was probably very exciting for some of you. (laughs) If you have a manual action right now and you see that your manual action is gone, that kind of seems like a good thing, right? Uh, The thing is, though, that everybody's manual action disappeared at the same time. Now, manual actions can expire, uh, and we, we had one theory going around that perhaps Google's algorithms were so good now that Google had such trust in their algorithms uh, that they didn't need manual actions anymore. You know, manual actions are for sites that are essentially winning with techniques that Google's algorithms can't catch. And, uh, you know, so more and more, Google doesn't need to give these manual actions. We used to see, I was doing a little exercise with my link auditing team, and I was going back through example links that Google sent us. I feel like Google first started sending example links in 2013, maybe 14 or so. And the first example links that we got from sites that had manual actions, uh, Google would set examples saying, here's some examples of the unnatural links that we found pointing to your site. And initially, they were all ultra spammy things. They'd be like, 
you know, links in best PR, best page rank directory.com or, you know, list your site for free.com or something like directories where the links used to work, but no human being would actually read <laughs> that directory. That's what we used to be getting many years ago. And now when we get examples from Google, there are links that like, we look at them and go, you know, if Google hadn't told us that this was unnatural, we'd kind of believe it was a legitimate mention. Um, and so Google, you know, they're getting better. The, the ones that they give manual actions for are uh, situations where they're really not sure and their algorithms just aren't able to figure out uh, whether you've been manipulating the system or whether they can actually trust your links. And these are, these are tricky. Now, I wanted to talk about a couple of sites where the manual action was lifted or at least went missing from Search Console and what happened to that site's traffic. So the first site that I opened uh, is a client of ours that we're working on an unnatural links manual action for them. And this is a really tricky one because this site is actually doing fairly well despite the fact that they have a manual action from Google. And this becomes really challenging because, you know, if your traffic has been completely decimated by a Google manual action, it's not hard for us to get buy-in from the client to say, yes, we need to disavow all of these links that we've identified as unnatural links uh, because what's the harm? You're already at rock bottom and, you know, there's a good chance that uh, us doing this will give you some level of recovery. But for this particular client, we've really struggled with them because um, their links are all borderline. They're like ones that you could look at in isolation and go, wow, you got a link from them. That's awesome. You know, and, and, and if you looked at individual links, they look all like their natural links. But then when you start to see the patterns, you're like, oh, you got a link from them. But this is very similar, this link you got from this other person. And, and you could start to see that there were patterns there uh, that the web spam team apparently has picked up. Now, the reason why I'm talking about this site is that on the day that their manual action disappeared from Search Console, their traffic skyrocketed. And it has continued to skyrocket since removing this manual action. So my first thought was, all right, Google actually removed manual actions, and this is fantastic for this particular site. But this morning I looked at that site in greater detail, and I actually think that their traffic is up for other reasons. Um, this is a financial site. They have a lot of articles on cryptocurrency, and uh, I'm no expert in Bitcoin, but I just took a look. I did a Google search for Bitcoin price, and the chart that shows how fast Bitcoin has grown uh, in value is almost exactly the same as uh, what Google Search Console shows for impressions and clicks <laughs> for their site. Um, and so I think their improvements actually were there uh, because of increased demand. Uh, because, you know, whatever's going on with Bitcoin right now, there's a lot of interest in it. And so there's more people searching uh, for this particular website. Um, so initially we were like, look, this was this is evidence that we need to be uh, digging in and actually removing this manual action because when it looked like it was removed, you saw a big spike up. Uh, and this is the problem with trying to analyze traffic drops with websites, right? Because there's so many different factors. I actually think in this case, um, Google removing the manual action. I don't think they actually removed it. I think this is their, their traffic hasn't declined since it came back on. And I'm going to be keeping an eye on that. And the, it, it seems like it's all the posts that talk about Bitcoin uh, that are seeing improvements. Another site um, that's really easy to check whether Google removed the manual action is one that we are working with that has a pure spam penalty. Now, pure spam penalties are very hard to remove, and most sites that have a pure spam penalty really don't deserve to rank. They're ultra, ultra spammy. Uh, they just copy other people's content and have nothing unique of their own. Um, and this particular site is a very interesting one. I hope that one day I could write an article about it because there's a lot to be learned uh, about why Google would... Um, put a pure spam penalty on this site. Now, a pure spam penalty, generally the effect of that is that your site is completely de-indexed once you have this penalty. 
and that's the case for this particular client as well. Uh, and throughout uh, the time, so they had their manual action disappear from Search Console and they were still de-indexed. Uh, a site colon search shows nothing from this particular site. So my guess is that when whatever happened to cause manual actions to disappear, it was a reporting bug as opposed to Google actually removing the manual actions. Uh, all of our clients that had manual actions, they've returned and we're still working on removing them. By the way, if you're dealing with a manual action, especially in regards to unnatural links, uh, we have loads and loads of experience of removing these. And like I said, things have changed over the years. Uh, so if you're looking for help with removing a manual action, I'd encourage you to reach out to us, help at mariehaines.com. Uh, one of my auditors, Dylan Adamek, leads up our manual action department, and he is so good at getting these penalties lifted. So if you need help with that, uh, we'd be happy to uh, take you on as a client. We're taking on clients right now for manual actions. As far as I know, uh, I know we have a little bit of a waiting list when it comes to full site quality reviews, although it's not crazy. I think it's about two months right now uh, for a waiting list. Uh, Google announced a new version of the Google Search Console crawl stats report, and this looks really good. I only uh, dug into it for a little bit this morning, but I feel like this is something we're going to be spending a lot more time on. So it looks like it's a major upgrade over the old report um, in regards to crawl stats. It's got more granular data for things like which pages uh, returned 200 server um, responses, which ones were 404s, um, which file types are seeing problems. So for example, you know, maybe uh, your image pages are having issues, uh, but maybe all your HTML pages are, are fine. Um, it also gives you data on the purpose of Google's crawl, which I thought was really interesting, right? The purpose can be to refresh content, to keep content updated, or it can be to discover new content. And that's actually reported in this report. Uh, and what I thought was interesting, although I don't know that it would change what you do that much, is um, you can actually see how much crawling is done by different crawlers on Google's side. One example that I looked at today was a website that had been moved to mobile first indexing. And it was very interesting to see that uh, something like 89% of the crawling that was done by Google was done by Googlebot for smartphone. Uh, and only a very small percentage was done by desktop. Um, and that's normal. We expect that. Although I don't think that really changes that much in how we would work with that particular client. Actually, that's the case for most clients. If you've been moved to mobile first indexing, you're going to see that the vast majority of the crawling done for your site is Googlebot for smartphone. Um, so something to know is that uh, even though we have tons of new data that we can uh, access in Google Search Console, this is not available through the API just yet. Uh, so that's something we're looking forward to uh, to that happening. Um, and yeah, I, I urge you to, uh, to play around with that. I think there's a lot that could be learned. Um, I want to dig into uh, the crawl stats for our own site for mariehaines.com. We just went through a migration and uh, it would be very interesting to see. I don't know if the crawl stats go, you know what, it does look like they're given in hindsight as well. So I think I will be able to see that. So I might report back to you in a future episode on uh, what we can glean from these crawl stats by looking at our own website. This is probably a good point to add in our Ahrefs tip of the week. And for the next little while, we have Ahrefs as a sponsor. If you're not using Ahrefs, it's a really fantastic tool. Uh, I've been a subscriber of Ahrefs for many, many years, and I use it primarily for the link aspects. Uh, but in future episodes, we're going to be going more and more into the content things that you can analyze with Ahrefs. This week I wanted to tell you about uh, Ahrefs Link Intersect tool. Uh, this is something that is really, really good if you do link building. Now I know that seems kind of um, contradictory for me to say that because for the most part, like we don't do link building for our own content. If something's on mariehaines.com, we don't rely a whole lot on organic search for uh, us to get customers, although we're paying more and more attention to it. This is kind of an issue where, uh, again, the cobbler's kids don't have great shoes. Uh, we should be doing more in terms of SEO on our own website, um, but we have, we're always so, so busy working on client websites. 
Um, but let's say I was doing link building. One of the things I looked at was our post on Google algorithm updates. Now, many people have posts on Google algorithm updates. Uh, I started a blog post in, I want to say 2012. And every week, uh, we kind of go through and go, well, does it look like Google ran an update? Did Google tell us that there was an update? Did something happen that would, um, you know, appear as an update? And then I write my thoughts on that and my team can add their thoughts too. And we have a, a massive list of every single, not just Google update, but also like little tweaks in the algorithm that we can say, for example, no November 8th of last year, uh, you know, nobody wrote that down as a Google algorithm update update, but we can see in our data that something very significant happened, and you'll find that in our, our algorithm update post. So let's say I was trying to make that post rank better, which really we should, uh, but again, like I said, we haven't put time into link building on our own website at this point. So here's something that we could do. I did a search for um, Google algorithm updates, and at this point in time, who I see ranking number one, two, and three are Search Engine Journal, Moz.com, and Search Engine Land in terms of um, uh, number one, two, and three for ranking for Google algorithm updates. Now, that makes sense, right, because all of these sites have significant EAT, especially authority, when it comes to understanding uh, Google algorithm updates. But I predict that some of our website posts are going to start to see improvements uh, when Google does passage-based ranking, which I'm going to talk about more. Even though MarieHaines.com, we have some level of authority. You know, we have, you're listening to our podcast right now. We have a following. We have people who recognize us, but we're not search engine journal Moz or search engine land, right? We're, we're lacking in authority as compared to these giant um, SEO uh, companies, not companies, but uh, publishers that everybody recognizes. Um, and I predict that in the future, Google's algorithms will be able to determine that uh, somebody like us, we have real life expertise when it comes to looking at uh, the effect that Google algorithm updates have on individual websites. And there's probably value in our post uh, that you won't find in the big sites that are essentially aggregating stuff. So for example, Moz, I know Dr. Pete does an incredible job at monitoring the SERPs and saying, yeah, you know, we saw all this turbulence and our tools are telling us that something changed at this time. And so, yes, Moz is a great tool uh, to look at for um, algorithm updates. But, uh, you know, I think that the information on our site is better. So let's say I was trying to do some link building to try to improve our rankings for uh, mariehaines.com uh, slash algo. It's actually, that's longer, but if you go there, you can find uh, it. It'll get redirected to the actual post. Um, if I was trying to do link building, this is where Ahrefs tool comes in really, really handy because I can use the link intersect tool. And what I did was I said, I put in the URL of the three posts that were outranking me and also said, but doesn't link to mariehaines.com slash, and this is our algo post. Um, and then Ahrefs actually gave me a list of over 8,000 websites that link to those three sources, but haven't linked to us. That's a really good source for us to do outreach to. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details on how to do outreach. You know, I think if we just did a list and reached out to over 8,000 websites saying, hey, you link to Moz, could you also link to us? That's not going to get us links. You need to do things to prove uh, that your post is way more valuable than what's already out there. The point that I'm trying to say, though, is if you do link building, Ahrefs link intersect is such a great idea. I really like it for, uh, it's been a while since I've done this, but I used to use it for link building for local businesses. Like imagine you're doing a uh, link building for a dentist. Now local businesses, it only takes a couple of really good links often to really propel a site into ranking well. Not always the case, but sometimes. So imagine I'm trying to get more links for a dentist whose site I'm working on. Well, what I could do is I could do queries for something like, let's say my particular client does a lot of teeth whitening. I could do a search for teeth whitening in Ottawa and see which dentists' uh, posts are actually linked, to, are actually ranked uh, really well. And then I can plug them into Ahrefs Intersect uh, opportunities 
and I can see like, oh, you know what? Uh, a whole bunch of websites linked to the top ranking post and also the second post because they have a resource page on where to get your teeth whitened. And perhaps we can reach out to them and get included on that list as well. So it's much easier to do link outreach when you're asking people who already have an interest. We, we see all the time automated things. You know, people will uh, send us emails saying, I see you're interested in guest posts. I'd like to post a guest post as well. And uh, then they link the post that showed that we're interested in guest posts. And it's always our uh, article on how guest posting can get you into trouble uh, with Google. So don't use, like, don't take this as an excuse or as a license to go do all sorts of automated link building stuff. Uh, but if you're legitimately trying to find places to reach out to to ask for links, then Ahrefs Link Intersect tool is really, really good. Um, let's see, let's talk about this passage-based ranking. I've talked about it in a few episodes and I'm going to continue to talk about it for quite a while, uh, because this is going to be a game changer. Now there was an interview, uh, with a few people where they were talking about passage-based ranking. And one of the people on this interview was Martin Split from Google. And, uh, Martin had a very interesting quote. I'm going to read it here. He says, it basically improves for you and it being passage-based ranking. Despite having a less well-structured bunch of content on your site, or it stays the same, there's no potential pitfall of not looking into this. There's nothing that you need to learn. There's nothing that you need to do differently or better. We just help surfacing good information that happens to be buried in that content structure. And so what Martin is saying is the goal of passage-based ranking is to find excellent content that doesn't have excellent SEO. So imagine, and then, I mean, Martin hasn't said this, but this is my interpretation of it. Imagine that, um, let's say I'm uh, doing SEO for an endocrinologist, somebody who uh, works with different hormonal conditions and sees a lot of diabetes patients. Well, let's say, uh, you know, some long tail search is, do I need to take my glucose levels in the morning? Well, right now, if you do that search, what you're going to see is massive medical authorities, or at least sites that Google considers are massive medical authorities. We'll see, uh, I did the search this morning and I saw the Cleveland Clinic was ranking number one, WebMD was second, Medical News Today, which is owned by Healthline, uh, they um, rank number three. Now, imagine I'm working with an endocrinologist who has really good information on this topic, uh, but they don't have the authoritativeness that a site like, say, WebMD or Cleveland Clinic has. Um, this is something where I believe that Google will be able to use their natural language processing capabilities to look at my client's content and say, you know what, this client that may not have, or this site may not have the level of authority that, say, Cleveland Clinic has. They have enough expertise to talk about this. And passage-based ranking will allow Google to find that information on the page. So right now, before we have passage-based ranking as an actual thing, because it seems like it's not in the algo just yet, right now, it can be really tricky for Google to, to determine, you know, if you have one line that's gold in your article, the way that we feel like Google does it now is they look at heading structures and they can see, ah, this heading means that this paragraph is about this topic and maybe our answer is in that paragraph. Uh, but what if you have great content, but you really haven't made great use of headings? Adding appropriate headings could certainly help you rank better. We've seen it. We've seen sites that we've advised on um, improving uh, the structure of their content, and it really can help you to rank better. But with passage-based ranking, it may be that that content that's just kind of buried in a paragraph that, you know, is really hard for search engines to parse out, um, that Google eventually finds it. So I can understand why Martin is saying you don't need to do anything. You know, you can't, it's not like you, it's not like de-optimizing your content is going to make it rank better. It's just that Google's going to grab some gold from sites that maybe got overlooked in the past. Um, I really think though that when passage-based ranking goes live, authoritative sites like the Cleveland Clinic, they might end up losing traffic to smaller sites. And so I predict that there's gonna be an algorithm update or I really hope Google doesn't implement this on a gradual basis, like over months and months. I really hope it's a one day thing that we can go, oh, all right, 
here we can see now uh, now these random, less authoritative sites that still have decent DAT but not insane authority are able to rank on long tail queries. On the flip side, though, like an authoritative site like Cleveland Clinic, they'll have other posts that start ranking well as Google gets better at understanding them. So if you're an authoritative site, especially in medicine, but I think it's for any YMYL vertical, if you're an authoritative site, it wouldn't surprise me if when this goes live, uh, you see some slight drops. But we'll see. I, I mean, it could be balanced. You, you might end up seeing improvements. Um, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on all of this as it rolls out. So the question that a lot of us have is when is this going to roll out? Um, Martin actually said it could go live in December. He said something interesting. He says, but I'm not sure if it goes live before the feature freeze for this year. I haven't actually heard Google use the phrase feature freeze, uh, but it makes sense. We've been saying, you know, every year we say around Christmas time, Google puts a freeze on new things <laughs> going into the algorithm. I think that's for multiple reasons. You know, it could be that they don't want to mess up the SERPs when it comes to holiday shopping. I don't think that's the answer, though. I think it's more uh, a fact that many people take holidays at Google around uh, around Christmas time and uh, it can get hard to measure the impact of algorithm updates uh, as well. So he said it could go live in December, uh, but he also said, so it might happen that this actually becomes effective next year. So, you know, when it happens, we'll be keeping an eye on it. I mean, it's certainly possible that what we've, we've seen November 8th and November 17th or so this year uh, was a test of this. It's, it's hard to say, uh, but we'll be keeping an eye on that. And when it becomes more obvious, who knows, maybe Google will tell us. It would be really nice if they could tell us. But if it becomes more obvious that this is happening and that passage-based ranking is indeed a part of Google's algorithms, uh, then we'll be uh, reporting on that for sure. Um, those of you who have sites that are not HTTPS, you really should be switching now. I, years ago, I wrote an article about why I would be cautious <laughs> in switching to HTTPS. Um, and that was because I was seeing many, many websites that had traffic drops because of bad migrations to HTTPS. Uh, you know, if you do things properly, you really should not see a drop. Provided that you you haven't been involved in sketchy activities. We're dealing with one site right now that uh, went through a migration and did not come out well. Uh, we didn't coordinate the migration. We're uh, hired on to figure out why their traffic um, is doing so poorly. And one of the questions that we have is why did they ever rank to start with? Uh, because they were, you know, in many ways manipulating Google rankings. If you have a website that has been manipulative, uh, and what I mean by that is uh, a lot of link building, um, and there's other tactics, but things that potentially break Google's guidelines, then I really do believe that a switch to HTTPS can trigger a whole new review in terms of quality from Google. I don't have proof for that, but we've seen it happen several times. What seems like it would be a good explanation if that's what Google does. So, you know, for a while I was like, you should not switch to HTTPS unless you really know what you're doing. Um, I mean, that's still the case. If you're going to migrate to HTTPS, you need to know what you're doing. But here's another piece of evidence to say, yes, you need to switch soon. Firefox has made changes. Um, so Firefox 83, I'm not sure if that's live now. I think it is. I think it's live now. Um, if you are using Firefox and you try to go to a website that is HTTP, Firefox will throw up what is essentially an interstitial, like a big ad. Uh, it looks like an ad, like a big thing that says that this is not a secure connection. Um, and so that will kill your conversion rates. Even if you're like, look, nobody cares. Nobody's going to be giving us our credit card or, um, you know, we're not gathering personal information. It's something that is going to look like the same it reminded me of the same thing you see where you see uh, in Chrome where it says this site is not safe and maybe it's malware, maybe it's something else. A lot of people are going to turn away if they start getting this message from Firefox. Uh, so I would urge you, if you've been on the fence about um, making your site HTTPS, it's probably, it, it's long past time to do that now. Uh, in terms of local SEO, we don't have a whole lot to report. There really wasn't any obvious evidence on uh, Bright Local's local flux tool uh, showing any obvious algorithm updates. I'm still seeing lots of people talk about getting suspensions in Google My Business. So if, like, I would really be hesitant in making any significant changes to your GMB profile. 
Uh, Barry Schwartz wrote about it, and I know Jason Brown has um, been tweeting quite a lot about uh, a number of websites receiving a GMB suspension. Uh, so y- you don't want to get that. So, you know, if you're going to make changes to your Google My Business, if these are changes where you're like, let me just play around with adding a keyword to our business name, I would maybe hold off on doing that type of change for a while yet uh, because it seems like there's some type of automated filter that's catching this type of thing. Um, So we'll see on that. All right, let's move on to uh, Q&A. If you want to ask me a question, um, my areas of expertise are primarily in understanding Google algorithm updates, understanding site quality, and understanding link quality. Uh, And I love to answer questions about any of these things. So you can reach out through our newsletter, mariehaines.com slash newsletter. And there's a form there and you can submit your uh, information. I'm happy to do a mini site review. Um, This is very, very mini. And I'm going to talk about this uh, for one site in just a moment. Um, for you, uh, but I do usually ask that uh, we can share your site's information. I've had a few people reach out to me saying, I'd like a mini site review, but please don't mention my site name. Um, the whole reason why we do these is that it helps other people as they're listening to podcast. Uh, and so, um, so if you're going to submit your site, I do need to be able to share the site's name. I wanted to start first of all, though, with a, a question that was asked to me on Twitter. Uh, and I, like, I do feel like I've covered this a lot, but I still get asked this question a lot so I'm gonna cover it again um if you are the question is from an SEO or quality perspective is it okay to use boilerplate standard copy for terms of service privacy cookie disclosure um on our website and it's totally okay I think a lot of people are really hung up with this, like, oh, Google's going to see that we have a page on our website that's not unique, and it's going to be counted as a negative towards our site. I do believe that can happen, but only when it's done on a massive scale. So if if your website has hundreds or thousands of pages that are essentially copied from other sources, I think that can affect your site in the eyes of Panda and um, make Google not look at it as favorably as they would uh, had you not scraped other people's content. But if you have a small handful of pages like this, it's not going to have a negative effect at all. I'm I'm 100% sure on this. Um, The only effect would be that you're not likely to rank those pages for anything. You still want to have them indexed, though. And the reason why I say that is that um, Google's Quality Raters guidelines instruct the Quality Raters to find a this this particular page and to find things like is their refund policy easy to find, things like that. Now, um, you know, Google might be able to find your uh, refund policy page if they're trying to check this type of thing algorithmically, but you want to do all you can to give them evidence to find it. So if you have this, these pages no indexed, um, even no followed, if you have no links pointing to them, I don't know. I mean, it's possible Google could say, yeah, this is a case where we want to ignore the no follow and we'd like to see that, yes, you have a privacy policy on your website. Uh, but it's also possible it could be seen as a negative if Google can't find those pages on your website. So don't worry if a lot of the content is copied from other sources, um, but you really do need to have those pages on your website. So I wanted to end this episode with a mini site review for a site called nonprofitinformation.com. Now, I have not done a full investigation into this site. I'll tell you, I've spent uh, probably about 15 minutes kind of clicking around the site and finding things that uh, I would point out as quality issues that could be um, fixed. So if you're listening to this uh, at home, uh, I'd urge you to take a look at uh, the site. Again, nonprofitinformation.com. I think there's stuff that we can learn from here. So my first impression, and this is going to sound a little bit mean, uh, but my first impression when I looked at this site is it does look like an kind of amateur blog. Now, that's not necessarily wrong. You know, if there are certain things that people don't mind getting information from, like somebody who's just blogging because they found something interesting. Um, You know, I've been been talking about running a Fortnite blog, and not to make money or anything, but just because I I freaking love this game so much, and I would love to blog about it. I'm pretty good at understanding what the web is like, and I think I could do well. Um, And if I made a Fortnite blog that looked kind of homemade, kind of, you know, amateurish, Uh, I think it could still do really well because people don't expect a level of um, professionalism uh, for that type of content for the most part. 
when you're talking about advising people on information for nonprofits, I do feel like people would be looking for something that they could say, ah, yes, I know this brand. I know this company. I can trust them. And I really felt like there was a lack of information on this site about who's responsible for the site. Um, I, the quality raters guidelines have several parts that talk about how important it is to know who runs this site, who's responsible for them. Are they known as authorities? I clicked on your about page and the first thing I got was an ad interstitial, which was really weird. Um, I understand, you know, everybody who has websites, you need to make money from your websites. Uh, you know, maybe some people have websites that exist just for the joy of, you know, if I have a Fortnite website, it'll be for the joy of teaching others what I've learned uh, in improving at this game. I kind of feel like, you know, you made this website to make money, right? It's that makes sense. And that's not a bad thing. But I would want, I wonder how much money you're making from these ads. Um, having a few sites myself that run off of AdSense, I know that you don't really make anything significant unless you have many thousands of people that are viewing these ads every day. So if you find that your ad revenue is pennies and like your hope is that maybe one day you'll get enough traffic that that ad revenue could actually be worthwhile, it might be worthwhile to just get rid of the ads for now. Um, it might, because uh, my impression when I went to this site was it was a site that was created so that you could make money off of ads, as opposed to a site that would help me learn more about nonprofit information. Again, my apologies if that sounds a little harsh. I've only spent a little bit of time on the site, but that's kind of where the impression that I got. Um, now, going back to the about page, your about page tells me very little. Uh, I don't have it open in front of me right now, but um, it was generally kind of like, yeah, we talk about nonprofit stuff, but nothing to prove to me that I can trust the people I'm learning from here. So um, so then what I did was, and, and you know, so let me go back to that. This is more talking about uh, EAT, right? Like you want to give Google as many, and not just Google, you want to give readers. Uh, readers are getting pretty good at looking at like, oh, this just looks like a crappy website made to make money as opposed to, oh, I can learn and I can trust what's on this website. And I feel like there's a lot more that can be done to make it so that people feel they can trust your website. Um, websites that don't really share who's responsible for the content, don't really have a lot of information on their about page, they can do well if you have amazing content, like the type of content where people would look at it and go, you know what, I could have read something on these uh, very well-known authoritative financial blogs, but what I found on nonprofitinformation.com was by far better than anything I could find. Now, I read a few, I skimmed over a few of your blog posts, and I kind of didn't get that impression. Um, one that I clicked on was eight tips to get your nonprofit started with digital and social media. I was like, okay, this could be interesting. And I, I actually went into it thinking like, I wonder if this information's accurate because I have some expertise kind of in that area. Um, and what I found was that the blog post was very superficial. <sighs> this is where I want to uh, encourage everybody who's listening to this to read Google's blog post again on a uh, blog post on quality updates on core updates um, you can find it very easily if you just search for google blog post on core updates it's changed if you've seen this in the past it moved to google's new blog and uh, at first i was like where did it go and then the next thing i checked was do they still link to our eat page which yes they do i'm sure you'll be happy to hear that um, but next so the content on this has changed uh, it er, has not changed. It's exactly the same as what it was before. So this blog post gives us several questions to ask. And um, these questions I would urge you to ask for your own content. Now, to be fair, I only skimmed through a couple of posts and were we doing a full site quality review for this site, you know, I'd be having my team spend days and days uh, going over your blog posts to confirm that uh, what we're saying here is true. So I could be wrong on some of this. But the first uh, question, so Google gives us this list of questions you can ask to determine whether your site really deserves to rank well. Number one, under content and quality questions, does the content provide original information, reporting, research, or analysis? Number two, does the content provide a substantial, complete, or comprehensive description of the topic? Now, when I looked at this blog post on um, eight tips to get your nonprofit started with digital and social media, again, it seemed very, very surface. Uh, it, it didn't really, like step one was 
your core core goal should revolve around generating revenue. Okay, well that didn't really give me practical, actual advice. I was thinking it would be eight things that I could implement. If one of those tips is, yeah, you should start thinking of ways to make money. Like that isn't really practical. Google's uh, blog post again goes on to say, does the content provide insightful analysis or interesting information that's beyond obvious? If the content draws on other sources, does it avoid simply copying or rewriting those sources and instead provide substantial additional value and originality? So when I looked at your website, first thing I saw was there's a lack of EAT signals. And then I see that the content, it, it, it needs to be more in-depth in order for Google to say, wow, this was like the best blog post of its kind when it comes to social media and nonprofits. Um, and I didn't get that impression. So how do you change that? That's challenging, right? I noticed, uh, and, but it, it can be changed. And I think a lot of um, what goes into this is truly having experts that can dig deeply into a subject. Um, and I don't know where your content, you know, how you get it, uh, whether it's written specifically for you. I think one of the problems um, that a lot of websites face is that they buy content based on, uh, how do I put this, like the pay by the word or pay by the job. And they're like, look, here's a thousand dollar piece of content or here's a, you know, whatever. When we, um, we just recently started writing, I wrote a blog post, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into that. If I write a blog post for a client, uh, we charge way more than a thousand dollars. You know, we, we charge quite a bit more than that, um, to write about a case study. We almost published one and then it got resolved on Google's side. So that's why I'm, I'm talking about that. My point is though, it feels to me that this was outsourced writing, uh, that was just not high quality of its, of its own. And so how do you fix that? what I would do is start looking at who's actually ranking. Um, I did a search for uh, one of the terms that you actually rank on the first page for is corporate sponsorship proposal. Now, one of the things I'd like everybody who's listening to this podcast to think about and to start thinking more about is what do you think the intent of a searcher is when they search for that? If I search for corporate sponsorship proposal, what do you think I'm looking for? Obviously, I'm in the process of writing a proposal and I need, I need examples, I need advice on how to do that. And when I read your article, again, it was very nonspecific, like, um, I, I don't have it again in front of me, but just very nonspecific things like, you know, you should do this well. And nothing, nothing that would make me go, wow, I want to share this post with uh, everybody that, um, you know, that I'm working with that might find it interesting. There, there wasn't anything in there that prompted me to, uh, to say, wow, this has got great information on it. Um, so how you fix this is to look at who's actually ranking. And a very quick look showed me several uh, sites. Now, one of the sites that's ranking above you, I think is ranking maybe based on unnatural links or something. It doesn't deserve to. I'm not going to go down that road uh, for the sake of time. But most of the sites that are ranking above you, they give actual examples of uh, a corporate sponsorship proposal. One of the examples came from a website called Tito.io, and uh, they gave actual examples of real life uh, corporate sponsorship proposals that I would have found insanely more uh, helpful than what I saw on your website. So, but the thing is, your website is still ranking decently for a lot of things. So I actually think from the time that I spent in this site, you have lots of opportunity for improvement here. Google doesn't think that you're a low quality spammy website because they're ranking you on the first page for some terms. Um, but I think they're reluctant to rank you higher because you're lacking um, some elements of displaying EAT. And uh, also the posts are not quite the best of their kind. So if you can focus on um, improving, and I would start with blog posts that currently are ranking, uh, but maybe you think could rank better. And do everything you can, and uh, you know, I, I could go, I could probably talk for uh, several hours on these things that you can. Th those are the types of things that we include with our, our site quality review. We give very specific examples of um, how you could improve on certain types of content, how you could improve on displaying your EAT. I looked at one of your authors, uh, Gail S. Bauer, um, and I'm gonna read out your author bio for her because it sounds great, but I also have questions. 
Nonprofits hire Gail Bauer as their revenue strategist. She uncovers reliable sources of revenue so that organizations become self-sufficient. They're always able to generate money when they need it. Clients have doubled, tripled, and quadrupled their earned revenue in under a year. And that's just the first year. For more information, visit gailbauer.com. So my thought was, wow, she sounds like she knows what she's doing. And if she's actually doubled, tripled, and quadrupled the revenue of clients, then, you know, maybe I should be paying attention to this woman. Um, and so I clicked on gailbauer.com. And again, I spent probably five minutes going through her site to find examples of where she had helped these businesses. And again, all I found was her website talking about the fact that she could do this. I didn't find any actual evidence of real life cases. Now, I understand that this can be challenging because, uh, you know, we, we face the same problem. For many years, I struggled to get somebody to give me a testimonial um, using their name as the, like their brand name, because uh, my name was synonymous with, oh, you have a Google penalty. Uh, we've, we've moved on now. We've expanded that. I think people recognize that when you get work done with MHC, you don't necessarily have to have a penalty. You might be wanting to just improve overall. Um, but really, I don't see any reason for, for, Gail not to say like she's worked with this company, this company, and this company. Um, otherwise, it's just words. And this is the thing. I think people can see through these things. Now, it might be legit. It might be that Gail is truly the best of her kind at what she does. I think you can do more to explain that to clients. I think I'm going to leave that there because, uh, you know, again, I could go on on a site review for the rest of the day. Uh, I love doing this kind of stuff, but, uh, but most of you only have so much time to listen, right? What are you still doing listening to this podcast? <laughs> I'm finishing up now. Uh, I'm going to be working on, actually, I just finished up my slides for the Search Engine Journal Summit. Um, it's not until January, which is a little bit scary, right? Because uh, I had to have my slides finished now, and we're going to be doing a recording very soon. I think, like, at some point in the next uh, week or two. Um, on Google algorithm updates and you know that before January there's going to be something major that happens and my whole talk is going to have to be redone. But still, I, I've learned so much. Uh, my talk is going to be on diagnosing the reason for a traffic drop and I gave a very similar talk at SMX Advanced a few years ago and I realized how much things have changed. Um, you know, most sites that we see now that have traffic drops due to a Google update, they're generally because of either EAT issues or Google's gotten better at figuring out relevancy and intent. Uh, and so this is a change because in the past, when I first started uh, helping websites that saw traffic drops, the majority of what we would do would be um, technical stuff. And we'd be cleaning up technical issues and cleaning out thin content. And we still recommend all that stuff, but more and more what's important to know now is how Google assesses quality in websites and determines whether you're worthy of ranking or not. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of what I've been working on. I'm going to head home in a couple of hours and, uh, play a little bit more Fortnite. The season's finishing up, uh, this week. So I got a bunch of challenges to finish. I'm working towards those of you who play Fortnite. I'm working towards, um, the hollow foil Jennifer Walters skin. Now I can get that. Then I've accomplished my goal for this season. Uh, I know that sounds like gobbledygook to most of you. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, I really enjoy recording this podcast. It keeps me up to date on what's happening in SEO. Um, and you listening just makes it even more uh, exciting for me. So thank you for that. And I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. Mm -hmm.